All right, and welcome to a new episode of the StatCast with your hosts, Harrison Friedman and Sam Greenman. Today, because we've got a lot of fun stuff going on in both basketball and baseball, we're going to end up talking about both. We're going to banter for baseball for a bit at the top of the pod and then switch to basketball where we're going to talk. Nuggets Clippers, which I think surprised literally everyone. Um, we're going to talk about Celtics Heat, what we were expecting from the series, where we're going to talk about like that bam block. I, at least I sure hope we are. Um, so Sam, have you uh, had a lot of fun watching basketball these last few these last few days? Well, it's a good thing that I'm not a fan of alcohol because I feel like I would be running out of alcohol at this point if I were, you know, to drink any of it. Because man, why do the Celtics have to go into overtime and then blow it? Gosh, I cannot believe those were the two shots that Jason Tatum took. I'm just gonna say that. Okay, but we'll get into that. Okay, we'll get into that because I have many hot takes about the subject. All right, first we're gonna talk about baseball. Some, um, like the White Sox are incredible and just clinched a playoff spot about an hour before this pod happened. Uh, but first, Milo Hamilton. Swinging, lining it to left. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Chris Park. Holy Toledo. What a way to Red Sox keep winning, and I don't like it. I don't know. You want you don't want. Uh, I want Kumar. You want Kumar, right? Come on, we want it. we're going Fubar for Kumar. Going Fubar for Kumar. There's nothing with Rocker though. Getting rocked for Rocker. The Rangers are just a little bit worse, but they got a couple more games. Ooh, it's the Pirate oh, the run differential. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, run man. differential is. It's guaranteed Pirates. The Pirates are um, what is it like? Pirates are like four games uh, behind you guys. So, sorry. The Pirates are getting Kumar Rocker. Jeez, what a terrible, what a terrible team to go to, the Pirates. Yeah, especially if you're trying to develop pitching. Yeah, specifically pitching. Who's, who are, ugh, all the best players this year, I think, are uh, pitchers. So maybe the Pirates will be like, ah, Kumar. Maybe Kumar will just ask a ton of money. Um, what do we got? Kumar. There's uh, Judd Fabian. No idea who that clown is. I can tell you. Good. Um, let's see. I think there was a high school guy who's supposed to be incredible. Oh, so there's also Jack Lighter. Brady House. Yeah, that's the guy. Brady House is another, um, whatchamacallit. Plays both sides kind of deal. I feel like just stop drafting those kind of people. They're not that great. Sorry. I mean, like, they get overrated because they play two positions in, like, high school, but they can't really do that. You can't play two positions at once. Stupid. No, I mean, third baseman and right-hand pitcher. No, I know. Christian Little. I've heard good things about him. I have too. He's in Braylon. I've heard Christian, good things about Brady uh, Aiken. Yeah, Brady Aiken. Somehow Mark Appel is trying to make a comeback right now. Yeah, no. Mickey Moniak is starting today. He made the majors? He made his debut oh. last night. Oh my god. How? Were they just out of people and they're like, you know what? Mickey Moniak is first overall pick. He's got to do something one of these days. I've heard the guy I mentioned the other, the other day, Carol, was it Colton Carroll? Yeah. Apparently, he might be, like, the next Mookie Betts. Mm, that's not great. The next Mookie Betts? Literally the next Mookie Betts? That's a guy that he's good for in the D-backs. You can, like, pretend that the D-backs are Red Sox. He'll play alongside, uh, what is it, Nick Ahmed in your hometown? My guy, Nick Ahmed. Yeah. White Sox have clinched. Yep. See it? Um, I did make a bet 
with someone before the season that the White Sox weren't going to win more than 90-plus games, and they are not. So They're not going to win 90 games. It's 100% correct. I know. I feel pretty, now I'm, I feel pretty great about making that bet. I said I'd change it to where I pay $15, but like times 60 over 160. Uh, <gasps> Since he's in the playoff spot right now. Holy shit, they finally got there. Yeah. And they're tied with St. Louis. What? Since when did this happen? What? They've just been winning. St. Louis has been losing. Milwaukee somehow is a game out. That's a little weird. Uh, Bro, the Reds might make it. Oh, my God. Everything's coming true. I'm shocked San Diego hasn't clinched a spot by now. They're second in the West. Yeah, I know. But they're 32 and 19. Who the hell is going to catch them? Colorado. (laughs) What is it? Who's in the last spot right now? Um, I guess... Uh, San Francisco and Philly are both tied for the last spot, right? Which is crazy. No, 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 no. They're seven and eight. They're seven and eight. St. Louis is right now on the outside looking in. Yes. So what happens if they can catch up? And they're playing right now. San Fran is playing right now, and Philly's all playing. It's an interesting race to get uh, whooped by the Dodgers. Is, is San Diego stuck like being in the fourth spot? Yeah. So they're gonna play um, Miami. It- seems like. If everything holds. It's average age of that matchup, probably 24. Also, what a lucky Cincinnati Reds team. They don't have to... Yeah, they get to play Atlanta instead of San Diego. Or possibly Chicago instead of San Diego. Wouldn't you much prefer that? I just know that if Cincinnati makes it, I'll finally have a leg up on all the haters. Yeah, I mean, what happened? Um, The Astros are somehow still holding on to a playoff spot, I guess. I don't know if it's going to last. Listen. I talked before the season about like how the Astros pitching net was real shaky. That was with a healthy Verlander, a healthy Osuna, and a healthy McCullers for the whole season, and a bullpen that actually you know hadn't quite imploded yet. McCullers is in every other start guy. McCullers came off the IL last night and was absolutely lights out. I think he allowed like two hits in seven yeah, innings. But unfortunately, that means he's going to let up six runs in three innings in his next start. Well, you never know. Maybe he's. I feel like McCullers is the kind of guy who, like, in the playoffs, you tell him, hey, go four innings, do whatever the hell you feel like, and uh, we'll take you out after that, and no worries. What about, what about the Framber, man? I love Framber. One interesting thing they've been talking about is um, getting Fram, getting so JV coming back to the playoffs, sort of doing a similar thing, maybe one or two times through the order, and then immediately go to Framber for like Imagine trying to hit JV and then trying to hit Framber. JV's like your prototypical power pitcher, and Framber's got, like, that insane, like, weird just that weird combo of pitch that he's got according to mike trout the best curveball he's ever seen so just saying I mean, nice mike trout's not that good so uh, i take that with a grain of salt yeah. mike trout's eye is like yeah so mccullers struck out eight and he was getting uh strikeouts looking he was getting dp balls he was doing it all and he's not a guy who usually goes seven so really nice to see that he's he's like a guy with a whip at like 1.4 yeah those are the guys that i had never trust the Marcus yeah. Strowmans of the world. What was his whip? If he didn't walk anyone, which I'm pretty sure he didn't, then his whip was like two over seven, whatever. But we lost one nothing because apparently Kyle Gibson decided to go nine innings. Yeah. Entirely shut us out. I don't know. I don't, I'm not excited about. I'm excited about Alec Mills. Actually, who are we going to play? Who, we, who would we play first round? Uh, Oakland. <laughs> No, wait, is Oakland the third best? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Oakland you guys are toast, bro. If you play Oakland, Oakland, you are toast. Oakland is just... Demol- I don't like to hear that. Ugh, you know who's kind of just like... I don't know, not falling off the radar, but just kind of imploded the last couple of weeks? Who? 
Our boy Karen, Jack. <sighs> Probably, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say he got overworked. Yeah. I don't know. Karen, Jack is just a little, uh, listen, it's his first year. He's a young guy. I'll accept it. But. Yeah, he's uh, probably not. So... Are you unbelievable? The Yankees are going to play the Twins first round if it holds up. Are you kidding me? Oh my God, the poor Twins. Oh, that's <laughs> su that's that's like you can't script that. Yeah, you know we talked about Luke Voigt on the pod two weeks ago, and now he's got nineteen home runs. But mash, he's done nothing but mash. I feel very happy about uh, calling that, but unfortunately, Jay Cronenworth is no longer Ray Cronenworth, but. You know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, who else did we talk about? Yeah, we talked about Yelich is actually. Yelich has actually started hitting. Has he, though? He's hit some bombs. He's doing well enough. Abreu's up to 51 RBIs. Who is? Abreu. Abreu. That team is absolutely stacked. I know, like, I love it. You know what? It, it honestly reminds me of, like, the 2017 Astros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. No, it's a bunch of young guys, young talent, mixed with some o some older guys who have been like historically really. Uh, you got some money, rookie of the year, an MVP. You you actually have probably like three MVP candidates in there. Tim Anderson is very Jose Altuve like. And for the one White Sox fan who's listening to this, I don't know if you're gonna hate what I just said or love what I just said, but it's true. Kyle Ander Kyle Tucker has six triples. Kyle Tucker is a triples machine. He was one in the minors too. The issue is that he's like most inconsistent guy week to week like talking about the colors being inconsistent kyle tucker goes into slumps where he's like oh for 30 and then where he's like 20 for 30 with like five bombs i don't know what it is i think it's a swing i think he sometimes just gets behind stuff are we okay so we're, are we going to talk about the fact that corbin burns is elite <laughs> corbin burns is a monster he was not the corbin i would have expected to like make this leap into the stratosphere i'm impressed i'm incredibly I, I, I had not known this up until literally just right now Oh, you just found out about Corbin Burns? I just, I just, like, I was looking at, oh, who's that Burns leading on the batting average against leaders? Yeah, he's, he's been all right lately. I don't know. Uh, he's one, he's oh, got an ERA of 198, 74 strikeouts in 50 innings, and he's leading the league with a 154 batting average against. I would mention that in his last four starts, he got in 10 strikeouts, 11 strikeouts, 7 strikeouts, and 10 strikeouts. And the one last one where he just got 10, he pitched only 4.2 innings. That's a that's a K9 and 19.29. Just gonna put that out there. But he has been he, okay, he's allowed one earned run in those four stuff. From before that, it was not as pretty, but been phenomenal. Also, again, one of them was against Pittsburgh, but and one of them was against Detroit. But one of them was against the division rival, and the other was against the decent Cleveland team. Who the heck is this Caleb Bargar guy? He's got five wins. Wait, who are you? I don't even know who this person is. Neither so do I. Caleb Baragar? How do you saw it? It doesn't even matter. It's just he's a reliever that's getting wins. Wait, who? Just, oh, God, Dobnak you... is really taking a downspin. I mean, did you ever expect... He was like, he was a nice story. I don't know. Was it the Uber driver guy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. One thing about Burns, though, is last year he got absolutely hammered on batting average and balls in play. Like, he struck out... 12, nearly 13 guys per nine innings, and he's doing a little bit better than that last year. He's actually walking more guys per nine innings this year, but he allowed over three home runs per nine innings. Batting average on balls in play, over 400. Homer fly ball at 38.6%. This year it's at 2.7%. And his exit velocity has shrunk by over an average of over three uh, miles per hour. Man, why does Zach Gallon only have one win? You're not a Zach Gallon fan? Oh, what? he what is he never win? Why does he never win? 
Yeah. yeah. He's the new DeGrom, I guess. I don't know. DeGrom's actually winning some games this year. Maybe not that many, but I mean, wins are irrelevant stats anyways. Hey, DeGrom's 4-1. and one. Exactly. Yeah, DeGrom's doing fine this year. Of course, I think Zach Gallen uh, has not exactly been great in his last two starts. So, Good old Zach guy in. But yeah, he has won one game this year. Impressive. I can't. I cannot believe he didn't win the game where he went against the Dodgers. Seven yeah, innings. He went seven innings, like he lit up one hit. Seven, yeah. Not. That wasn't his win. His win was against the Giants when he went seven innings, allowed one run, and struck out five. Poor guy. I mean, he's still really great this year, but. Man, Kyle Lewis is starting to not hit. Yeah, he kind of got figured out. It's unfortunate. I think uh, Robert probably has uh, rookie of the year locked up. Uh, Dobnak was making a late push. Or an early push. I, I did not think that was going to happen. I'm sorry. But I'm, God, what a terrific White Sox team. Like, we sort of hoped they'd break out. And in the Padres, we talked so, we like, these are the kind of teams that we talked up, everyone talked up during the entire offseason, but also was, like, kind of nervous because we didn't really know if they were going to do it or anything. Those two teams have been, I know that, like, there have been, uh, I don't know, uh, who's been better in the AL? What? Rays, maybe? What? No, I mean, no. I mean, the White Sox have the best run differential and the best record. Yeah. Okay. And then the Dodgers obviously are in front of the Padres, but those two teams have been damn impressive. White Sox and the Padres. That's a, those are young teams. The pitching has been fine. The pitching is like a little more. Um, I don't know. The pitching's got a little more experience. But geez. Yeah. I mean, like when your team has, I think both teams have like several different players contending for multiple awards. So. It kind of does help you. Like, you've got Tatis, uh, Machado, who's actually been really good for a while. Cronworth, obviously, because he's contending for Rookie of the Year on the Padres. The Crone Man. Who else on the Padres? Tatis. I mentioned Tatis. Denelson Lamette. Yeah, Lamette has been phenomenal. Zach Davies. Yeah, Lamette was another predicted breakout before this season. I saw some people mentioning him because he had just some nuts uh, repertoire of pitches. And a crazy high strikeout rate, but he's really been terrific this year. No, I, I'm very. I'm. What's nice is that like those teams are finally starting to graduate their prospects into the majors, and it's really been working out. Trent Grisham, who I should mention, I talked him up before this year, and you're like, oh no, he muffed, he he muffed a ground ball. He'll always be the guy that lost the wild card game to me. Uh, actually, this year he's going to be the do- the guy who hits a grand slam against the Dodgers to send San Diego into. Actually, no, they're going to have to play in the second round. But whatever. But Trent Grisham is going to eliminate the Dodgers this year. It's going to be terrific. Unless, of course, they lose to, like, I don't know, who would they play? Uh, the Marlins, and the Marlins somehow become the next Nationals. And they- I, I'm kind of glad that Caleb Smith got traded away from the Marlins, but the Diamondbacks are in such a similar scenario that I, it's like he's not going to thrive there either. Yeah. What can you do? Caleb is my guy. Why is that? Uh, he was, I drafted him last year and he was so good. And then he got hurt. Yeah. And plus, I I always like the guys with the high strikeout rate and the, and the low whip because it means that they're good. Even if if their ERA isn't good. Yeah. It means they're probably getting a little unlucky. Uh, Yeah. I love the guys with like the four and a half ERA and like a 1.05 whip and like a 11 K per nine. Yeah. Those are usually all right. Um, but Lucas Giolito, I think, I think you talked to him before this year. I did. Yeah, he has been like, you, you obviously talked about Shane Bieber too, but Giolito has been so, so good. He's got like, his ERA is 353, but I think he's better than that. 
You got a killer uh, K9 at nearly 12. He's just, he's been one of the more consistent pitchers and been one of the best pitchers, even though he's getting a little hit hard a little more lately. And also, like, I think uh, his first start in the season sort of, like, uh, ruined his ERA before he even could get started. But he had that uh, no-hitter, obviously. And in the game before the no-hitter, he also struck out 13 guys just in a couple fewer innings. He's been impressive. The issue, of course, is the fact that he just only struck out four today. Or yesterday, sorry. So maybe he'll fix, turn things around. But obviously, he was facing the tw- I don't know. It, we're going to have a really strange playoffs, which I hope uh, is also a very fun playoffs. Because, like, you'd expect that you'd see a lot of the same teams in the same spots plus some other teams. But outside of the Dodgers, no, there has been no one who we predicted to win their division, I think, who's on top of their division right now. Um, and now let's switch to the NBA. Uh, so, Sam, as a Celtics fan, a very known Celtics fan, uh, would you like to get the good stuff, the bad stuff out of the way first, or would you rather talk about the much more fun stuff at the top of the pod? So I don't want to talk about the bad stuff. You can if you want, though. You don't want to talk about the bad stuff? I mean, well, we I mean we're with... going to have to. I, won't, I don't want to talk about it, but we're going to have to. Yeah. So we had a terrific game of Celtics versus Heat. And I think on the last pod, we were about to have game seven of Celtics Raptors. Obviously, the Celtics won in an insane game where they sort of just they outlasted the Raptors. I think they were a better team. The Raptors probably couldn't like keep playing everyone 45 minutes and just hope for the best the whole time. Jason Tatum, obviously very good and has been very good and was very good up until maybe the last five minutes of Celtics heat. So Sam, what do you want to say? We could talk about like the Celtics third quarter run against the heat to take that nice lead against Kelly Olenek, or we could talk about what exactly happened with the Celtics offense when they tried to close out that game. against the Heat. So like I have tons of takes about this offense that closed out the game. First of all, Tatum was a black hole. Didn't really like, didn't want to pass it. The shots he took, horrible. Off to exist. I think Jalen Brown was out of frame like for 90% of the time in the last five minutes. In overtime. I don't think Tatum had any peripheral vision. Yeah. And Campbell Walker too, I feel like. It was sort of like what uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden were deciding to do at the end of games. And it was not working out. So here's my big take. At the end of regulation, when there was an offensive foul away f- before the ball was inbounded and there was a free throw to tie the game, my take is that the Celtics would have won if if we didn't tie the game. I agree. And you know what I think is probably the most unappreciated uh, thing to do in basketball or the most unappreciated shot? That right under the basket, right after, like, you know how one guy just runs in and somehow seems to always be uncontested and run underneath the basket from the opposite side and get the inbound pass and lay it in for a layup? Yeah. I cannot believe that doesn't always happen on inbounds plays. I cannot believe people would actually like to take the ball from out of bounds, like on the side. If you saw that play, you had, what was it? You had this. So the Celtics are down by one. They pass the ball in or they about to pass the ball in, but Marcus Smart just gets absolutely, not absolutely, Mark, someone on the Celtics pushes a heat player into Marcus Smart and Marcus Smart flops brilliantly. Celtics get a technical free throw and the ball tied the game. All right, we all know this. And then Jason Tatum decides to ISO 29 feet from the hoop and throw up a horrible shot. I don't, you you know what this kind of reminds me? Remember when Paul George back in like after game five in 2019? Wanted the shot? He's like, yeah, Damian Lillard just 
Yeah, that was the shot I wanted. Oh, the, oh, the Damian Lillard one. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's like, it was a bad shot. He just made it. Yeah. Paul George was right. No one likes to say this because Damian Lillard, you know, made the shot. Paul George was right. The fact that you're shooting a shot like that with a tie game, literally anything would work. You know, if you uh, get a layup, you still win the game. I think the Celtics kind of forgot that, you know, two points is the same thing as three points in a really tough contested three-pointer. The reason the Rockets, like, and people started doing it was because they are worth more than two-point shots. When you have two seconds left in the game, I think a two-point shot is worth no, a little no, more. No, no, that's the thing. You had 20 seconds Because left. you're just making one. Oh, it was 20 seconds left? Well, you had 20 seconds left. Wasn't so it? here's what the thing – Here's here's my thing. We had the last shot of the game. We're down one before the foul happens. So if the foul never happens, we're down one. We have we go to try to score quickly. Then and the Raptors score. No, the Raptors don't necessarily score. That's the thing. They get like I like our chances with with the lead and playing defense for a possession, then tied and on offense for a possession. That's what I'm. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Maybe. The the foul hurt our chances of winning. Again, though. We say this, and then what happened at the end of overtime was sort of exactly what we would have wanted to happen. So you have Jimmy Butler driving on Jason Tatum, drawing a foul. There's contact. I'm not sure there's a foul, but he drew contact. Got the end one. Looked pretty rough. Looked pretty rough to me. Yeah. All right. And so then Jason Tatum gets the ball, and thank goodness he decides to drive. So he goes up for a hammer dunk, reminding me and I hope everyone who is watching of Game 7 against the Cavaliers back in 2018, and just like in Game 7 of 2018, they lost. He made the dunk in 2018, but Bam Adebayo made what Sam has called and what I absolutely agree is the best block in NBA history. Mm, I didn't say that. I said it was the best block I've ever ever seen, and I want to walk that back. I want to walk that back walk because that. it's not true. LeBron's block was better. I kind of disagree. LeBron's block did, it wasn't like the reason they won the game. They actually still would have been up in the game, I think by a point. If Iguodala makes the shot, the issue with uh, the thing with Tatum is that Bam Adebayo literally blocked a game-tying shot at the end of overtime in a much more impressive manner than LeBron. You know, LeBron does a chase down block. The most impressive thing that LeBron did in that was the ground that he covered that quickly. No, that it was, was him getting to the ball a frame before it hit the backboard. Yeah. But Bam's luck, he took on Tatum head-on and somehow with his hand just like somehow didn't up. break his hand. Yeah. Again, LeBron blocked a layup that was supposed to go off the glass. Bam Adebayo stopped a six foot nine man's flying dunk. Six foot eight. That would have tied the game. Six foot eight. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Six foot eight man's dunk tied the game at the end of overtime. And I, I think it's probably a pretty important game one as far as maintaining momentum. Yeah, that's the thing. I have we have no momentum going into game going into game two, which are, I'm currently watching. Yeah, like to win game, I think the Heat might be a more talented team than the Celtics team. It's possible that it's on the route on the same level. I think Heat are deeper than the Celtics. Even yeah, that's the thing that I'm Walker very much are obviously great. afraid of. Hero, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson are so lethal. That combination of two guards is so unbelievable. Can we talk about Tyler Hero? Tyler yes. Hero just is. The bravest man out there. He is like, so cold-blooded. So he took this. And I love it. Oh, my God. The three-pointer that he took, like, uh, 
I think with a few minutes left, yeah. where like he was a catch and shoot. That, that, that was pretty That's impressive. when I started to like really one... bite my nails because like that's when it started to get close. We had like a 15 point lead at one point in the in the late in the second half, and then he made the three and it was like oh, a five. Kelly Olynyk like a... minutes that let you extend that lead. Hey, Kelly Olynyk won Game Seven against the Wizards for us. Well, he had one three, and then he had a second three that was even more insane. The one where he just I think he like a pick, uh, like he he was got a pick and he just decided to pull up with no regard for any human life and somehow drained a piece from the top of the key that I believe tied the game and gave him a one-point lead. He gave him one-point lead. Yeah. That was unreal. That was, that's something that even veterans don't necessarily do. And Tyler Hero decided, oh, you know what? I can make this shot. I'm in charge now. Like, we saw a pretty good Tyler Hero in Kentucky. We did not see this Tyler Hero in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, the game against Michigan State, I, re- I remember vividly. Was it against Michigan State? But that was no, it wasn't. Okay, no, I'm thinking of something else. Man, that that Duke Michigan State game to go to the Final Four, that was. Ugh. Tyler here was on Kentucky though. So. Yeah, I know, but like, that was a. Very... Oh, you're talking about the game with Zion and RJ and everyone. Yeah. Where they still couldn't pull it off because yeah. uh, Coach K decided to run the most useless offense of all time with not with like maybe only his kid as the possible uh, as a possible spacer. <laughs> Yeah, Tyler Hero shot 35% from three uh, at Kentucky, we should mention. Which is very average. Yeah, and in the NBA, he has decided to become the best shooter of all time. And Duncan Robinson also was even worse of a shooter when he – Duncan Robinson actually is pretty cool. He actually is freshman year of college. He won uh, Division three the MVP. Yeah, I mean, he's a stone-cold killer. Williams College, I believe. Then, like, he wasn't that great of a shooter. He just – like Tyler Hero, he took like a there was a shooting drill that he was in where he just couldn't miss, and that's yeah. the reason that he got. He didn't actually have a pick that year, and they still and they were so they basically were just like crossing their fingers that no one cares enough to try to get uh, Duncan Robinson. He lasted, yeah. Those two guys like, and because of that, Bam can play exactly the way that he wants to, because there's so much spacing for them. Jimmy Butler has wide open lanes to go into. Dragic obviously has been like a revelation in the bubble, which yeah. like I thought he was too old to be this good again, but he actually is. But I think yeah, that he he's teaching Crowder how to be himself. Yeah, I think the Heat win because they have Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler, like the fact that he brought that Philly team to seven games against that Kawhi team was unreal. He was the only reason they scored in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler is the playoffs closer. He's a playoffs player. Yes. So if I'm the Celtics, I'm absolutely worried after seeing what he did in game one against my team. Yes, I agree. I'm not very looking forward to it. So who do you think has a better series going forward? Kemba Walker or Jalen Brown? Ugh, Kemba's looking really bad. He's getting so yeah. clogged. He's getting no separation. on the only, the only thing he's been able to do really is just hit step back jumpers, which they're nice, but they're worth two points and they're not always going to go in. Miami's got some good rotations with them. Yeah, it's... Re- Again, I say this all the time, but Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the NBA and gets consistently underrated. I agree. So, it's like, yeah, he is really earning his keep this year. Like, this is not a team which you would have expected to, I don't know, beat the team with the best points differential in NBA history, first of all, uh, and, and only lose one overtime game for them. Yeah. Again, the Miami Heat have not lost in regulation in these playoffs. If they lost two nights ago, they still would not have lost in regulation in these playoffs. So they seem like the best team in the playoffs. Like, are we, are we overthinking it? 
is are, the Heat and the Lakers have been far and away the best teams. No one has even challenged them. Well, meanwhile, the Nuggets went seven games in both of their series, and the Celtics went seven games in their second series. We're yeah. definitely on a Heat-Lakers collision course. Uh, that's what it's looking like. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's what 538's percentages will tell you since, you know, that's the Heat or seven wins away from a championship, which no, is one ahead of everybody else. They're a Celtics fan. They're Celtics. Uh, they, love, they love the Celtics there on 538. They also love the Rockets. So, like, at one point in the playoffs, they had the Rockets, I think, like, over 30% to win it all, which is mind-blowing because that Rockets team was not exactly that close to that. Yeah. But, I don't know. But anyway, so speaking of the Lakers and the Nuggets, the Nuggets especially, can we talk about what the hell just happened in the last three games of the Nuggets-Clippers series? All right, so here's what you need to know. As soon as the Nuggets forced a Game 7, there's no way that they're losing that Game 7. And here's why. They have no pressure on them. They have nothing to lose. There's no, yeah. like, the, if you're the Clippers, you just blew a 3-1 lead and let them get to a Game 7. You better win this Game 7, or you're going to be talked about as a collapse. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets. So I think I talked took... about this on the pod. I think I talked about this on the pod as far as Game 2 went. Uh, it seemed like the Nuggets had a lead for a while, or at least they were trying to keep it, but at one point they just turned on their defense, and there was nothing that Denver could do to stop it. Yeah, it was very. But then game five, the Nuggets kind of Nuggets win. Game six, it looks like the Clippers have adjusted things, but then the Nuggets suddenly turn it on, and now they are the team that's turning it on and getting a victory. In game seven, like I was watching the game, the Clippers were winning after a couple quarters. They were up. They started going up even more in the third quarter, and the Nuggets started storming back. They're hitting three after three. They can't do anything to stop Jokic, and you're just like wondering. When are the Clippers going to make the right choices? Yeah. <laughs> that I think a lot of people have been pointing out is it's all it's Doc Rivers' fault. The Nuggets yep. figured out what they had to do. They figured out that the Clippers, I don't know if they weren't like taught well enough defensively, if they were just making mistakes, if it's they were just not built to stop Jokic, but they couldn't stop Jokic. Montrez Harrell, when he was on the court, he was a minus 11. A minus 11. And then... The Clippers were positive in all non-Bontrez Harrell minutes. That's, he, yeah. And Rivers somehow, incredibly, just kept putting him back on Jokic because he figured he would stop him. I don't know what he thought he was going to do. I have no idea. Apparently, Doc Rivers thinks it's a great idea to double Nikola Jokic, who is taller than everyone besides maybe Zubac on that Clippers team. And Nikola Jokic is also the best passer as a big man since Bill Walton. Yeah. Sabonis. I was about to say Sabonis is probably up there. But... I guess this NBA guys, but Jokic, unstoppable, unreal. He's averaging uh, 26, 11, and uh, 8, I think, which are insane. LeBron actually is very much on par with his Jokic stats. It should be mentioned, but like in this specific uh, playoffs, LeBron has been unreal. LeBron and AD, if that supporting cast works well. I don't know. I think they might make mincemeat out of the Nuggets, but we'll see. Basically, Harold is like a classic energy guy who's just not tall enough. I don't know if he's big enough to stop someone like Jokic. And the Clippers were making bad rotations the whole series. They like they made a lot of mistakes. Jokic obviously is the king of the pump fake, and sometimes he would just send guys flying in the wrong direction. And they had that weird one like one two game with Jokic and Murray, where like Jokic would just sort of hand the ball off behind himself to Murray, and Murray would make something happen, or which would find a cutter. There was so much room for cutting, and the Clippers just did not lock down anyone. Kawhi Leonard, 
Not a great defensive series for him. Patrick Beverly is the only guy who seemed not to a great offensive series for him either. Yeah. Paul George missed brick. Paul George like started bricking everything with insight, locked in against the Mavs and started hitting stuff. And then for a couple of games against Nuggets and then fell apart, completely fell apart. An embarrassing, sh- I think they combined for like 21 total points and they check out with like two, three minutes left in the game. Like yeah. that reminded me completely of game six back in 2015. Except it wasn't like Josh Smith and Corey Brewer were making things worse. It was two legitimate star players who probably have to scare the hell out of the Lakers right now. Oh, yeah, that's, I remember that. The Harden, they came back with Harden sitting on the bench. The ninth was a 19 point. Oh, God, that was one of the, my favorite games that I've ever watched. I could not believe I thought we were out of the playoffs, and then Josh Smith and Corey Brewer start hitting. And Terrence Jones. Three, Can't three. forget Terrence Jones hit some big threes. Oh, what's his name? Um, Jason Terry was also in there for that, yeah. which was great. And then Harden actually had a really good game seven, but people forget that. But yeah, Harden had kind of given up on that game, which was not great. Yeah, that was this. I think that was the same playoffs that he had like sixteen turnovers and against the Warriors. Yeah, it was, I think it was like eleven or twelve. But yeah, yeah this the spirit still stands. Um, so what do you make of this Nuggets team? How how do you think they match up against the Lakers? They remind me of a rock of a two thousand seven Rockies team. They tell me they like. They're worse on paper than everybody else that's at this stage right now, but they're not caring about whether they win or lose, seemingly, might get them to the finals. Yeah. The issue is the Lakers are almost definitely the best team remaining, and unlike in 2007 where they played the Red Sox in the World Series, they're playing the Lakers right now in the conference finals. I don't think Nuggets have ever made the finals, right? Um... Maybe in the ABA, but not in the NBA, I don't think. And so yeah, they do not have exactly very many playoff highlights. Maybe like Kiki Vandeweghe has done a couple interesting stuff. But... I mean, they had the series against the Warriors that one time. <laughs> I mean, when they lost in like the second round of the first, maybe the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that was that. That was that. That was the season Steph, where they uh, went like thirty-six and five at home. Yeah, that was a gr- that was a great Steph breakup. Like, oh, can this guy actually like make things work in the playoffs? Again, that was the before last year. That was the last time the Nuggets had even made the playoffs. So uh, it's been, it had been a while, quite a while for them. But anyway, I love what they're doing with Jokic. My question is, what happens when AD gets on Jokic? Because I went and I Ooh. looked back at their... Well, that's the yeah. thing. Jokic isn't really a, po- like, a scorer. He's not a score-first guy. So I think Davis' defense isn't going to like... I don't know if they even want to put Anthony Davis on him. Yeah. Like, what, do they put like JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard on him? Yeah, I would I would say a big guy that's not necessarily good at defense. But then, like, I don't know, what happens in a pick and roll? What if you have, like, Rajon Rondo uh, guarding uh, Jamal Murray, and then you, then they maybe you force a switch in a pick and roll, and suddenly you have, like, Jamal Murray going up against JaVale McGee? Well, I mean, Jokic is going to create mismatches no matter what, I feel like, because he requires a, a non-center guarding him. He's, he's a strange guy to guard. I think he, he's top 10 player in the NBA right now. I don't think there can be any questions about that. He doesn't yeah. look like a superstar, but he is a superstar, which is always great. I love is, the guys. He is Randy Dobnak. He kind of is. Yeah. He's, I mean, if Jokic was wearing glasses, I think that would like only add to the mystique. And it's almost oh, a shame. Bro, that if not. Jokic was wearing rec specs, imagine. Oh my God. Oh. Every, I wish you, I wish that like, I don't know, Jokic had been born with just a little bit worse vision. And so we could see that happening, but I guess his vision is unreal. Yeah, it's at least 2020, maybe more. 
He's maybe like the what are you like the Ted Williams of uh, eyesight maybe? <laughs> the Ted Williams of eyesight. <laughs> Didn't Ted Williams have like uh, what like twenty ten vision or something like that? Never Famous? heard of that. Honestly, never heard of that. Never? No. Oh, I thought that was something everyone heard. Anyway, so back to Jokic and uh, basketball, which I think we were trying to talk about. Um, one interesting thing that happened, like, so they played in the bubble, and it was 124-121. Remember Kyle Kuzma hit that great shot, that insane three-pointer to win that? And so that's what we've seen so far, and only that was their bubble matchup. But Jamal Murray didn't play in that game. Nine different Nuggets each played between, like, 23 and 27 minutes. Bull Bull played 20 minutes in that game. As crazy as that sounds. Oh, I miss Bull Bull. Maybe he'll come out. Maybe, like, when JaVale comes out, they'll bring out Bull Bull, too. You never know. You never know. But anyway, um, so they're more – they had two matchups earlier in the season. Lakers won one by a lot. Nuggets won the other one by a lot. And then they played an OT game, too. And that OT game – uh, you sort of had what you expect, but you might want to check the plus minuses uh, for those two games because Alex Caruso was a plus 20 the in Caruso. both of them. Alex Caruso in that OT game, which was decided, I think, by four points at the end, and that three point game that was. Harrison with a boner for an AM player. I know. Shocker. Listen, I like Dan. Like Dan Danwell? Danielle. I like Danielle. Danielle. Danielle House. And Alex Caruso, I don't know what's going on with me, like, but I don't know. It was an impressive one against Northern Iowa. I don't know. Maybe that like one game absolves. We, I, I think we've mentioned this game against Northern Iowa like once every episode. It's the most insane college. It might be the most insane college basketball game to ever happen. So, and somehow, I don't know. The 2016 national championship was pretty, uh, pretty insane. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Irrelevant game, maybe the most impressive irrelevant game. But like, it wasn't an irrelevant game. It was a round of thirty-two game. I, I guess the point is that somehow a ro- there are two players from that A and M team who are somehow are important role players in the NBA, which like especially mind you, A and M is not a basketball school at all. Yeah, that's, they're a football school. But like, and I don't know. That would, that, like Al- that would be like if Ali Farouk Manesh from like that. Uh, oh, the Northern the, Iowa. Yeah, the other Northern Iowa. Yeah. That would be like, like the, one that beat, was, the one that beat Kansas. That, that would be like if he was, was like a sixth man on like the Steph Curry Warriors circle like 2015. Yeah. That's what like Denwell House and um, uh, whatchamacallit, Caruso being good is like. But anyway, so Caruso is actually a star against them. So what I am intrigued to see if they start him, it seems like Frank Vogel is perfectly fine to like throw out his basic starting lineup for, in the first game and then like feel it out, see if it works or not. Which like I mean, props to him as long as long as it works and that's great. But what the Nuggets really need is for Jokic and Murray to show up every game. They as long as they can space the floor and hit like Paul Millsap hitting threes was not something I don't think you or I ever expected to happen. Uh, no, I I witnessed it happen against the Celtics in 2016. What, He's like, like torched us for like 44 points in one game. Yeah, but so anyway with um. What I think they need is a Michael Porter Jr. star turn. If MPJ, I, I know he's not going to guard LeBron, but he like it might. No, he's going to guard LeBron, and you just won't notice. <laughs> but I think he's going to get switched on to him, or like he's going to have to see him at some point. Or Boy, make he's going to have a I think, heck of a time. Yeah, so I'm intrigued. I, I want to know who exactly is supposed to guard the Lakers on that Nuggets team, because I think the point is just like outscore them. Which, I think I think you know, put Grant on the uh, Jeremy Grant on LeBron, right? Definitely what they're going to do, I think. And I 
I assume you put Jokic or maybe Paul Millsap on AD. I think you would have to put Jokic on AD. Yeah, that probably makes the most sense. It, I feel like he is willing to try hard enough to do that. But like Portland tried to outscore the Lakers, Houston tried to outscore the Lakers, and what one interesting about the Lakers is that. They did not let people drive on them. They played really good perimeter defense. Nuggets don't try to outscore they, you. They try to outrun you. That's true. And, like, it, what's really hilarious is, like, ha- that Jokic is the one actually doing that because Jokic, like, Jokic, like, Harden we know is, like, a master of, like, the slow dribble. Jokic really takes it slow. Jokic is... Well, and that's just because it doesn't do it for pace. It's just that the, it's just the speed that he he operates. Exactly. Like, he's, he's slower than everyone, but he doesn't care. He's not trying to beat you in a foot race. He's just he really gonna, reminds me of me. Yeah. With maybe a little better purple vision? No, with just taller. Taller, okay. And a little less good at threes. Anyway, so... Okay, anyway. So the driving that the Lakers were able to stop and the cutting that they were able to stop, or at least for the most part, I know obviously James Harden is not going to be cutting ever, which is yeah, the no, he's, that he... As soon as he passes the ball, he's, he's, he's out of the play. <laughs> the reason that the Rockets have lost the last two years in the playoffs... There is no other reason other than James Harden refuses to cut. I'm sorry. If you were like watching game six against uh, the Warriors last year, it was embarrassing. He was standing 30 feet from the basket. I know that like, obviously this is something that James Harden does and he conserves his energy. I think you are okay with not conserving your energy where if you don't start cutting, you guys lose and you're eliminated from the playoffs. I guess you'll save some rest for the strip club. I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. uh, Golden State must have a horrible strip club. Yeah. Anyway, or and Orlando. I mean, he 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 flew back to Houston immediately. Yeah, he's like, no, the strip the strip club. I need I need to find out where Lou Williams went. Yeah, but so that's Atlanta though. But maybe they have a Houston train. Um, I always get so mad at James Harden at the end of the season. I love him for everything up till then, and then he does the exact sort of thing that people are like, well, James Harden is going to do this. James Harden's going to do that, and then he does that. I hate. Sorry. I, can I, I, usually, I, have, I have to butt in here. This Celtics me. team is looking exactly like game one. What's going on? What's the score We're right up now? seven right now. Oh, so and you guys are going to... No, that's the thing. We've been up like two, four, down to two. Like, now it's up to seven. They took a timeout. This lead's going to, like, stay at, like, three or four the entire game. Then we're going to blow it in the final minutes, and we're just going to lose. Listen, I mean, Celtics need some mental fortitude. No, or they need to actually run a functioning offense near the end of the game. Yeah, I just don't know why Brad gives them that much freedom at the end of the game. You know what they should do at the end of games? Put in Carson Edwards. Spark plug. He is the spark plug. I, I don't know why he doesn't get more minutes. I guess just because he can't defend anybody. Put in Carson Edwards and Taco Fall and, like, put Taco Fall and Tyler Hero. See what happens. Yeah, just have the never... entire fir- first team all tourney in 2019. The thing is, or put him on Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson isn't going to drive by anyone. So, like... Yeah, but he can shoot over Edwards very easily. He can shoot over Taco Fall. Uh, that's not. I wouldn't know. Taco would literally just no. I... Just just put Taco Fall in. A, obviously, Duncan Robinson's gonna run through screens and takes like Clay Thompson. Whatever. Yeah, we know that. It's obviously not something that's gonna happen. But like you know, put Carson Edwards in. Maybe instead of Marcus Smart shooting a thirty footer, Carson Edwards will actually shoot his bread and butter shot. You never know. I don't know. Marcus Smart thirty footer is as good as a Steph Curry thirty footer. I've I've come to learn. Come to learn. Yeah. All right, Marcus Smart is one of the more impressive players at missing the rim entirely that I've ever seen in the NBA. But I, don't know. I love his defense. He would be a classic Rockets player just for the fact that he'd also join in for the 0 for 27 when it really counts. Yeah, at least you didn't have that this year. Yeah. 
Instead, we had we nearly had that actually in the game against Oklahoma City that we lost. But yeah. Then we ended up winning the series. This year we kind of just stunk. So I guess you get what you get. But anyway, Lakers are looking great. I'm intrigued to see if like the cutting that worked so well against the Clippers is going to work as well against the Lakers because like, obviously the Lakers are so long. I'm intrigued to see what exactly the is going on with wing matchups in that series because I would say that the Nuggets absolutely have better wings, and I don't know if the Lakers can really take advantage of that. I call LeBron a big. I would call LeBron a four at this point in his career. Yeah. If they're not if they're if they're playing to win, then they have LeBron at the four and eighty at the five. And what like Caruso, Rondo and Kuzma, or maybe Danny Green or Casey. I kind of trust the Nuggets wings more. If Rondo and Caruso step up in the same way, if Caruso is just as good against Nuggets as somehow he has been for so long, then absolutely I think it's a Lakers series like in four or five games. But if Jokic can't really be stopped, and I think Jokic probably gets unleashed earlier in this series than he was in the last one, because I think last one they were just banking on more Jamal Murray heroics. I don't know. Remember when we thought this team was out? Remember when we thought this, the Jazz had like totally just eradicated this team and Donovan Mitchell was the best young point guard out there? Yeah, I don't know I if I ever thought that. Okay. I think Donovan Mitchell is a little overrated. Not like his own fault. He's just kind of a little small and can't really play defense that well. But Murray is streaky. Murray's a streaky player and He's been more consistent, which is, I think, that was the biggest knock against him. Oh. I'm intrigued to see what the Nuggets – this is draft stuff, but the NBA did just set the draft date, and I'm very intrigued to see what the Nuggets do with that Rockets pick of theirs that they have because they're going to get a pick in the, 20, in the 20 range, and there's a lot of depth in this draft. Some interesting stuff. And also, I am very much intrigued to see which team uh, tries over uh, trading up to get Alexei uh, Pokusevsky in this draft because Pokusevsky is like Jokic – when he came into the NBA, except like when Jokic, while Jokic was fat when he came to the league, Pokusevsky is like real thin, but he's got that same, maybe not the same because Jokic is sort of like maybe unmatched, but Pokusevsky is a seven foot real thin guy who's got incredible like passing and incredible three point shooting. If he puts that all together, he's literally Dirk plus Jokic. Obviously, I don't think he's going to do that. And it's a question of whether he can actually make it in the NBA. Because again, you look at the guy, he not look like he weighs more than 200 pounds, even though he's like seven foot. But I think he had been talked about in the like the mid to late 20s, maybe late teens. And now I think he's going to go mid lottery just because of what Jokic has done in like a team is hoping they can catch lightning in a bottle because that yeah, suddenly. Imagine have, he's have Jokic to thank. Yeah, because Pokusevsky is a possible superstar and this draft is entirely lacking possible superstars. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it's quite possibly just another Dragon Bender. Dragon Bender? Oh, God. Yeah, those sons, yeah, that guy those was, sons' wings just didn't work out at all. Yeah. Josh Jackson's decent in Memphis, I think. But obviously not. Number fourth overall pick, Josh Jackson. And obviously, the Celtics, I think, made the right choice going to hit him at three. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't, don't think anybody's <laughs> questioning that one. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's going to be it for this podcast. Uh, we're very much intrigued to see what happens with that Lakers Nuggets series and obviously Celtics. Sam, what are your predictions? Uh, Heat in six and Lakers in five. All right. I kind of agree. I think he'd do it in seven, though. I think Jimmy Butler or I think there's so many guys on that Heat team who could pull off like that series winning incredible shot that like sucks the soul out of everyone in Boston. I think there's only um, one guy and it's Jimmy Butler. <laughs> no, you got Jimmy, you got Tyler here, you got Duncan Robinson. Obviously, I don't think Duncan Jimmy Robinson would let it happen. Yeah, yeah. It would be, it would be a very Jimmy thing. And we, again, we barely even mentioned Bam, who, again, is the reason that they beat the Bucks because he was 
to be honest. And no one else really has been able to do that. So an incredible Heat team, incredible Lakers team, incredible Celtics team too. And, and a, an above astonish- average Nuggets team. An astonishing Nuggets, surprising Nuggets team. Somehow, a perplexing uh, Nuggets team. Yes. Lakers are the only one or two seed remaining in the Final Four, which I don't remember the last time that has happened. I know that I wasn't alive the last time that happened. But, yeah, I think it's going to be one hell of a semifinals, and I hope we get seven-game series in each. But I also think... But I also think they won't. <laughs> yeah, because, again, we, we, we count out the Nuggets at our own peril. But I don't think... No, I'm, I'm it, leaving the door open by saying, like, they have a chance to just go to the finals just because they don't care. Yeah. Nuggets Heat. Nuggets Celtics, I think, would be an exciting series. But I think Heat Lakers is something that the NBA would be very happy with if that's yes. how their bubble ended up. Because, I mean, like, listen, obviously they want Giannis to be important, obviously. But, like, Milwaukee's a small market team. This, it's happening in Florida, Miami, like. Yeah, you have three, you have three big markets. Yeah. And well, maybe we get Lakers-Celtics and Lakers uh, win their 17th title over Boston in the bubble. Yeah, we wouldn't count it if that happened. But we would, we, we would count it if we won it, but we wouldn't count it if they okay. won it. That's exactly what I would expect from a Celtics fan. All right. Uh... We'll talk to you guys next week and hope we get some good basketball, man. Some good baseball, too.